Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another exciting edition of Monday Motivation. Hi everyone, this is Rabbi Garfinkel, still glowing from all the exciting projects, routine activities happened last week, 3 and 3 basketball tournament, wedding, Sheva Bracha's exciting times, and the Project 613 schedule that is coming up is even busier. This Wednesday, picnic downtown, maybe get a little ultimate frisbee going, great food, just a chance to chill, enjoy the Chicago summer, Wednesday, July 20th, 6 to 8 p.m., in a undisclosed Lincoln Park location that is disclosed upon registration. So if you have any YPs out there, if you're YP, come join us this Wednesday. And then next Monday, July 25th, we have Spray and Sip, which is supposedly really fun. People like, you know, teach us how to spray, uh, paint and sip. Basically kind of a booze cruise, but instead of being the cruise, you, you know, paint stuff. But it's with a spray can. It's it's supposedly like really fun. So any YPs out there, people listening who know YPs, spread the word. And then it's been a while. An epic Project 613 Shabbaton, July 29th and 30th. Oh my gosh, the Garfinkel living room will be packed, God willing, from one end to the next with amazing young professionals. So please spread the word and sign up project613.com backslash events. All right, end commercial. We have a lot to talk about. So if we were going <clears> to, <throat> if you were walking down the street and someone asked you, hey, what are the three weeks? Hmm. What are the three weeks? Three weeks. Uh, PTO. <laughs> Is that my vacation time? What What exactly are the three weeks? So it's like those guys from Ohio State. It's not Ohio State. It's the Ohio State. So this is not three weeks. This is the three weeks. So what does it mean, the three weeks? And in fact, that is the period of time in the Jewish calendar in which we find ourselves, the three weeks. But unfortunately, it is off the radar of most Jews. But it actually is a critical and crucial period of time in the Jewish calendar. And in fact, we're going to see a little bit later, it's in fact the barometer, one of the key barometers or indices of our relationship with Hashem. So it's probably a good idea that we learn about the three weeks. So I think this next section, uh, discuss the three weeks, is good for those who've never heard about the three weeks and those people who are actually living the three weeks right now. And after that section, we're going to finish the podcast with a very heartwarming story about a wedding that uh, we attended, my family and I attended this past Thursday. Okay, so that's where we're headed. Now, what's up with these three weeks? Well, you know how we roll over here. Our mojo, our feng shui, or I don't even know what either of those terms mean, but they sound cool. But basically, we roll over here. Whenever we want to find out what something is, we always go back to the Torah. We always go back to the Torah itself and our Jewish sources because that's really what we rely upon to explain things to us. It's imagine um, in terms of our calendar, whatever happens on the day initially sets an energy and a tone. We've discussed this many times that reverberates throughout history. Imagine, if you will, wet cement and little children sticking their uh, hands in the wet cement, it leaves an impression forever. So there's a spiritual impression that's left on days that come back 
around the calendar every year. And we're going to discover right now and discuss what was the spiritual imprint of these three weeks. Now, the way it works is a barbell. There's one at the beginning, one specific day at the beginning of the three weeks, and one specific day at the end of these three weeks. Imagine a barbell. All right, so the first uh, weight on the barbell is what's called the 17th of Tammuz, Shivasarba Tammuz. Now, Tammuz, don't get scared, people. Tammuz is the month in which we are currently find ourselves. Okay, and the question is, what cataclysmic event happened on the 17th of Thomas that started off this whole process of this three weeks, okay? And if you sense where we're going, these three weeks are a little intense. It's not necessarily the happy Passover time. It's a little bit more cerebral and uh, and thoughtful in terms of who we are and what we should be doing as a people. All right, so the 17th of Tammuz was, let's do a little history. We left Egypt, the 15th of Nisan, that's like April-ish, okay? 51 days later from Passover itself, we received the Torah on Mount Sinai, 3 million Jews, yes, we're the only religion ever to claim at side point, but an important one, we're the only religion on planet Earth in human history ever to claim a mass revelation. They don't even claim it, why? Too big to lie. All right, for another time. But we got the Torah on Mount Sinai, 3 million Jews on the 6th of Sivan. Now, 40 days later, now imagine this. We got the Torah on Mount Sinai. We heard the lightning and the thunder and the and God's voice. Every Jew, you know why Jews are still around? Because it was seared on our hard drive, on our neshamas, on our soul. The Almighty spoke to us. So Jews are so distant, doesn't matter how distant they are, they still have it on their hard drive. And that's why they can come back is because it's part of their spiritual DNA. All right, so imagine that happening. And then four zero days later, 40 days later, they start getting nervous. They start getting nervous that Moshe is not coming down. Maybe maybe he won't come down. Maybe he died after 40 days. 40 is a significant number in the Torah. 40 means a transition from one reality to the next. 40 days, uh, 40, uh, days and nights it rained. 40 years in the desert. 40 is a... 40 weeks of a pregnancy, you go from one entity to an entirely different entity. So they said either way, either he's dead or when he comes back, he's going to be so angelic, we're not going to be able to relate to him. And therefore, we need to set up a replacement for Moshe. We're going to go back to our idolatrous ways and uh, make a golden calf. Oy, painful. Now, the golden calf is a long story, but basically there were three different parties to the golden calf. There were those that worshipped as God. There were those who said, no, we're just going to use this as a replacement for Moshe. And the third group actually didn't believe in either of those, uh, but they didn't step up and rebuke the rest of the Jews for building this calf and certainly for serving it. Okay, so what happens? They're up on Mount Sinai. Moshe's up on Mount Sinai. God says, go, your nation has become... Uh, destroyed, spiritually destroyed. He comes down, Moshe sees what happens, and he throws the tablets, the two tablets that he had with the 10 statements, the 10 commandments of such import, and he throws them down. Now, most people project, say, oh, I'd be angry, I'd throw them down. That's not what Moshe was doing. Moshe was telling them a lesson. Your behavior is not fitting for these lofty levels of spirituality. He was showing them that you and your behavior, you broke these. I am just a messenger conveying to you that which you already broke. And so he threw them down. And there was punishments, etc. So this um, 
um, this was the first major breach in our national relationship with God. And it is such a deep breach, it says, Rashi brings down on the spot there, that every future sin of the Jewish people forevermore has a little bitty bit, an echo of the sin of the golden calf. Why? Uh, well, you know, I, I did not grow up in the Frank Sinatra era, but basically, uh, but I do remember his famous song, My Way. And, and basically what the golden calf said is, God, I'm not going to serve you the way you want to be served. I'm going to do it my way. Okay, and every sin is basically saying, Hashem, I'm going to do it my way. It's a battle. Do I humble myself and say, the Almighty, you're the CEO of the universe and you know what's best. And no, I should not eat that shrimp, but I want to do it my way. Okay. Uh, so, okay. No judgments over here, but I'm just giving you an idea of every, every sin, everything that we do negative is a little bit doing it our way, as opposed to the way the almighty wants us to do it. Okay. So that was the major reach. That's the first end of the barbell. Then now this is a little bit nuanced here. So three weeks later, nothing happened, but three weeks later and a year later, something did happen. So the three weeks that we talk about, that we observe, are not re are, are really staggered by a year. The first event, the 17th of Thomas, happened in the first year we left the desert, uh, in the desert, and the 9th of Av, three weeks after the 17th of Thomas, in the second year. So it was not, not three weeks apart, but a year and three weeks apart, was the story of the Maraglim, if, of the spies that went in and came out with a negative report. Oi, this was another major, major blow to the relationship of God and the Jewish people and added into it the fact that we rejected the land of Israel and opened us up in the future to be exiled from it, which we currently find ourselves and slowly heading back. Now, people want to understand the uh, entire story, or at least a lot of it, of the story of the spies. You can go back a couple weeks because it just happened in the Torah portion in Parsha Shlach to my podcast, Believing is Seeing, because they came in with a negative attitude. And since they came in with a negative attitude, they left with a negative report. Okay. So there you have this three-week bookends of two, two tragedies that are the bookends of this three-week period. Now, so what is the goal? of this three-week period. Now, I'll tell you what it's not. The goal is not to be depressed. No, folks, we do not believe in depression. We don't, you know, even though our fast days and we're mourning, we do not get depressed. Depression means you can't function. That is not the goal of any of this. The goal is to plug into what we lost. That is the mourning aspect of it in order to rebuild that which we had and to build a brighter future. And that's the whole concept of Cheshbon Nefesh, of doing an accounting of our souls and our actions. It's not to harp on ourselves and to beat ourselves up. We also have to count the good things that we do. But the whole point is to be introspective, to figure out how did we blow it and how can we do it better. All right? And that's really the whole goal of this three-week period. And ultimately, that is it's a call for us to step up and be our best selves and fulfill our potential. I mean, what could be better than that? Right? Some people are out there partying and having a great time. And that's okay. But how many people in the party zone are, you know, really, I should be living up to my best potential as a human being? Okay. So there's a time for partying and there's a time for introspection. This is a time for introspection. Okay. Now, let's just go through the three weeks over here what the 
prohibitions are. Now listen to this. Now imagine, where are we right now? We are on July 18th, Monday. Okay, so the three weeks actually started yesterday, Sunday. And imagine from July 17th, already three weeks forward in the beginning of August. And what do we have? No live music. Yeah, that, <laughs> that works great. Okay, in American culture, no live music. What are you talking about? Summer concerts? In fact, I just got a great uh, voice note from one of my... Uh, one of our really top young professionals and a friend of hers is visiting uh, out of town potentially for Lollapalooza. Now, now hold on. Spoiler alert. If you want to go to Lollapalooza this year in Chicago and do not want to feel guilty about it, please turn me off right now and then resume in another 60 seconds. Fast forward. I don't want to make you feel guilty. But Lollapalooza sometimes is after Tisha B'Av, after this three-week period. It happens to be right smack tab in the middle of it so our young professional she left a whatsapp she's like rap i never heard of this what is going on what is going on with this no music because she had a friend that she wanted to invite out of town and he said he could come for shabbos but he can't join her at Lollapalooza because there's this three-week thing of no music and it was a funny moment but there you have it you know how popular is this Lollapalooza to miss for three weeks because temples are destroyed okay all right next thing is no haircuts or shaving. Okay, fine. People can go three weeks without that. But here's the biggie. The biggie is no weddings. No weddings? Are you kidding me? No weddings from July 17th to August, I don't know, what is it, 7th? You're kidding me. That's prime time wedding season. And it varies each year, a little or a little later. But there's no way around it. In fact, I am. it's like I'm asked to the prom so often, Rabbi, will you perform our wedding? And I'm like, which one of five reasons is going to knock it out that I can't do the wedding? All right. And one of them is, well, well, what date do you have? Well, we have, you know, July 25th is the perfect day for I'm like, well, I'm like, eh, okay, find another rabbi. And they, they, um, I get the boot, <laughs> but it's okay. I have thick skin. All right. So why is it important? What is this whole thing? Are we just, you know, torching ourselves during these three weeks now? So uh, we, we know this concept in sports. You know, what is a fair weather fan, right? Right now, anyone who wants to be a diehard Cub fan has good cause to be a diehard Cub fan because they're terrible, like 20 games under 500. And they're so frustrating. Um, so if, if someone who just wants to jump on the bandwagon, they'll jump on the 2016 bandwagon, 2017 maybe a little bit. And then, it, you know, wheels fell off the bus from there. But uh, right now is a perfect time to show that you are dedicated and loyal. And that's what we're doing to the Almighty, that we are not fair weather fans. That uh, on Tisha B'Av, and I should have explained this, I'll explain it now, is that uh, it's the date that both temples were destroyed. So we are in exile now because of the future historic events that happened on Tisha B'Av. And therefore we say, Hashem, we did not forget you. We, you are my friend. You are, um, you are the one that I care about, and therefore I can't fully engage in partying without remembering you. Does that sound familiar, right? What do we do at a wedding, right? Everyone knows. Right at the end, we break the cup and say Mazel Tov. Well, we lose the point of it during the Mazel Tov. Why? Because really, why are we breaking the glass? Because our best friend's house has been destroyed by marauders, and other people came and built their place right on top of it. Right, so we're, we we can we it's a sensitivity to our friend, our beloved Hashem, that His temple is destroyed, and that's really the energy that we're tapping into. And the more that we can improve ourselves, the sooner Hashem's temple, His home, will be rebuilt. Okay, so I want to transition now um, to to a, a, an idea and then a story, and we'll conclude. So one of the great reasons why 
uh, the Talmud gives for the temples being destroyed on Tisha B'Av, on the ninth of Av, is called Sinat Chinam, which is baseless hatred. It's baseless hatred. It means that there's not really a reason um, to hate someone, but we, we, we don't give someone the benefit of the doubt. A baseless hatred. And that was rampant and rife right around the time of the Second Temple. And unfortunately, uh, things have not improved so much. Today, if I would give a translation to Sinas Chinam, it would be cancel culture. Cancel culture. Well, you say one wrong thing, boom, you're done. I'm not talking to you. I'm not this. You know, I can't tell, me, tell you how many times. Right? I'm in Jewish outreach business. Okay? It's a passion. Okay? How many times have I said, you know, uh, you know, sent one text too many? Rabbi, you're, you're annoying me to... All right? Okay, maybe a little more patience. And then I get to the other end. Rabbi, you haven't texted me so long. You don't care about me? Right? I've had people tell me, Rabbi, I am married to a Jewish person with Jewish children and a Jewish family because you didn't give up on me. You reached out to me and you didn't give up on me. And, it, and every time I'm about to send a text, most times I don't know if that's the last text I'm going to send because I'm going to say you're too much of a nudge or it's the text that's going to prove to them that I love them unconditionally no matter what. So we all get these, you know, someone texts us too much, someone texts us too little. So we post online and someone makes a, a, they think a funny comment and you take offense. That's it. They're over. It's done. That's sinas chinam. We have to look beyond that. We have to be forgiving. We have to be loving people are not perfect and therefore that's just one silly example but there's there's dozens of ways that we can overcome this baseless hatred to be more forgiving more kind and shower love on our fellow Jews I have to finish and this actually made it into the title of the podcast <clears throat> three weeks and the store and a wedding story this story if you want to, the uh, epitome of Jews showering love upon other Jews and I've had many of these incidents recently um, but one story in particular, uh, a family friend, family friend, actually a, a, an alum, a, alum's uh, family member, uh, cousin of his, that we, we're very close with her as well. She had a wedding. Her groom is from Moscow, literally from Moscow. And as a teenage boy, decided that to continue his <clears throat> yeshiva career, he wanted to take it uh, up a notch. He grew, outgrew what Moscow could offer him in terms of Jewish learning. And he went to Ner Yisrael, which is a major yeshiva in Baltimore. And I mentioned the yeshiva because they deserve a lot of credit for this story. And he was a, he's a single guy, went as a teenager, and he really he grew up in a lot, lot of ways in the yeshiva. And the yeshiva took care of him, and he took care of them. And he worked all our jobs to make money, and they took care of his tuition, but he, he never wanted a free ride. And he worked incredibly hard. He became one of the outstanding students and the entire yeshiva, the entire student body looks up to him. And I know that because I spoke with his friends uh, at the wedding and on Shabbos and they all love him. And what's the story? So he's from Russia, he gets engaged to this, our beautiful friend here in, in Chicago. And, but there's a war, Russia attacked Ukraine. And what's the issue? The issue is, is that one of the, um, sanctions that <clears throat> that America put on Russia is that no Russian citizen is allowed to visit. And so therefore, you have this young yeshiva man who is entering his wedding without his parents. 
he's not an orphan. God forbid he has two loving, live parents, but they they physically cannot get into America. Even if they flew to Israel and then flew here, they would not be allowed in because they have Russian passports. They would have been detained. And therefore, he was alone by himself and the yeshiva kicked in. They flew out on their own dime. 20 students, 20 Bakram to come and to dance. And I was at the wedding and these Bakram were there. They were dancing with a mission and they were they were his mishpacha. Now, thank God, the 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 the, the, the Hassan is has had family there. He had sibling, his, his sister and brother-in-law walked down the aisle. But can you imagine being at your own wedding and your parents are there? We just married off a daughter. I can't even imagine what it was. And the, the yeshiva sent out 20 people. Now, folks, I went to Stanford University if this happened over there, the, you think what the professors? He wouldn't even know who to call to to send out, you know, friends to go dance at the wedding. This is this is something so unique to the Jewish people. And they came and they danced and the energy at that wedding. And then the rabbis from the yeshiva who came out, they danced in front of the bride and the groom. I have a picture of it. It's just so beautiful. And 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 they showered love on this boy as if. That he was their own, and you know what he is. And that's what it means to be Jewish, folks. That's what it means. And the more that we engage in acts of kindness and love and giving and forgiving, the more that these three weeks are going to turn very quickly from a time of mourning to a time of celebration. May we all plug into these three weeks. This is when we show Hashem we're not fair weather fans. We love you, Hashem. We're with you. We're part of the Jewish people. And the way that we show that is by helping our fellow Jew. God bless. It's been a meaningful three weeks. And we'll see you back right here next week at Monday Motivation. God bless.